Hello, and welcome to A History of Japan. Season 6, Episode 15. Who's in charge here? To better understand the Hogan Rebellion, we must first explore some of the developments of the noble samurai clans throughout the late 1000s and early 1100s. In Episode 9, Another Fujiwara Clan, we followed the career of Minamoto Yoshie in the late 1000s as he managed to transform a plum governor appointment into an unsanctioned war on the Kiyohara clan, only to end up dismissed from his post and in massive debt to the Daijo Daikon. He and one of his brothers, Yoshitsuna, then quarreled over who would be the chieftain of the Seiwa Genji clan, and while Yoshie prevailed, this all did little to advance his political career, which was practically in ruins. Many cursory studies of Japanese history include something about the rise of the samurai, but this is rarely explained beyond some kind of vague historical inevitability. While the samurai had evolved into a specialist martial caste by the 1100s, they were often frozen out of higher court ranks and therefore unqualified for higher offices within the Council of State. When Emperor Shirakawa created a cloister government after abdicating in 1087, the samurai clan saw their opportunity to get more involved in political leadership. By the late 1000s, the need for capital defense rose as monks from various monasteries formed angry mobs that stormed the streets of Heian-kyo whenever the government made a decision they didn't like. We'll dig deeper into these angry mobs in a few episodes, but for now just know that they were armed and the threat that they posed was quite real. The Imperial Guard, as we've already discussed, had fallen into an ornamental role suitable for people who wanted the comfort of a government salary, but not the burden of actual work. Likewise, the Kebi Shi, which is often translated as police, but which I think the term investigators is better suited, largely consisted of lower bureaucrats who were corrupt at best and inept at worst. The third branch of the government's military were the noble samurai who were capable of raising armies to fight bandits, rebels, and mobs of armed monks. This last group was formerly filled by kuge like Fujiwara Tadabumi who led an army to fight Taira Masakado and later a navy to fight Fujiwara Sumitomo, but the court's limited income meant that it was less expensive to just appoint a Taira or Minamoto who already had fighting men at their disposal, which they could call into service as needed. Indeed, the answer to the question of reforming the Imperial Guard and the investigators was the same as reforming the government-sponsored armies, appoint samurai to those positions. While this probably seemed like a no-brainer to the officials of the later Heian period, this maneuver would solve one problem by creating another. The monks would be kept relatively under control, but the patronage networks in which the samurai operated meant opening the door to an ambitious noble samurai whose vassal served the court in an official capacity, but whose true loyalty lay with their liege. When retired Emperor Shirakawa created the Insei government, he sought the help of a Taira family who held regional power in Ise province, in southeastern Kansai. While this family was part of the Kammu Heishi, who descended from Emperor Kammu, 
I will refer to them forthwith as the Issei Taira. The chieftain of the Issei Taira clan at the time was Taira Masamori, who ingratiated himself to the retired Emperor Shirakawa by a gift of land in 1097, which he commended to the estate of the late Princess Yasuko, Shirakawa-in's beloved daughter who tragically passed the previous year at the age of 19 or 20. In gratitude for this gesture, the cloistered emperor began to award Masamori with many high offices for which he would otherwise almost certainly not have been considered qualified. Taira Masamori was granted lucrative governorships in Wakasa province and many others thanks to continued land commendations gifted to the Daijo Tenno. If you will recall, gifting private land to the government in exchange for political clout was a strategy of the Fujiwara clan in former times, but giving land directly to the emperor was a much more personal and generous gift. The proceeds of those farms would not go into the Daijo Daikon's coffers, but into the personal account of the cloistered emperor. By the early 1100s, the Issei Taira clan had emerged as the most influential of the noble samurai clans in the capital. Members of their vassalage network served in the Imperial Guard, the Investigators, as well as a group called Hokumen Nobushi, or the Warriors of the Northern Quarter. This was an elite bodyguard who protected the retired emperor and, like the elite bodyguards of Fujiwara Michinaga in the early 1000s, they also did his bidding. Usually this meant punitive raids against the monasteries who continued to disrupt the capital with all-too-frequent rioting. With the Issei Taira on the rise, you may be wondering, what about the Minamoto? The cloistered emperor, it turns out, was not the only political leader who actively recruited help from the warrior caste. The leaders of the Fujiwara clan were still largely determined to bring the nation back under their control politically, and they weren't afraid to mirror their rival court's recruitment efforts. After Minamoto Yoshie was removed from his post as governor of Mutsu province, he actively sought opportunities to be of service to retired Emperor Shirakawa. Meanwhile, his brother Yoshitsuna, who was actively trying to replace Yoshie as the chieftain of the Seiwa Genji in Kawachi province, made his services available to Fujiwara Morimichi, the current regent. Morimichi arranged to have him appointed as the governor of Mino province in Chubu. Yoshitsuna was given arrest warrants for bandit gangs and granted rewards when he succeeded at rounding them up. In 1095, during his tenure as governor, he was ordered to confiscate parts of a shōen in Mino, which was claimed by Enryakuji Temple. During this seizure, someone loosed an arrow that killed a monk who was resisting government troops. The temple itself sent an angry mob of monks to the site, along with a portable shrine, and some of Yoshitsuna's troops loosed a volley of arrows at them, killing several more monks and striking the portable shrine. The monks petitioned the government to bring charges of murder against Governor Yoshitsuna, but his patron Fujiwara Morimichi protected him. When Morimichi died suddenly, four years later at the age of 38, the monks of Enryakuji boasted that the Buddha had struck the arrogant regent down as punishment for defending Yoshitsuna. With his patron gone, Minamoto Yoshitsuna was essentially abandoned by the new regent, Morimichi's eldest son, Fujiwara Tarazane, who was only 21 and thus far not very politically capable. 
Retired Emperor Shirakawa's camp wanted nothing to do with him as well, since they viewed the regents and their supporters as a rival to their own power. Meanwhile, Brother Yoshiye had problems of his own. His son, Minamoto Yoshichika, was made Zuryo of Tsushima province, essentially an agent of the provincial governor who did the actual tax collection and governance. In 1101, for reasons which escaped my research, he quarreled with an official on Kyushu and killed him, then looted a government compound there. The court issued an arrest warrant for Yoshichika, and Yoshiye sent one of his vassals to his son ahead of the arresting officer, most likely to try and preemptively resolve the situation before any arrests were made. However, this vassal then plotted with Yorichika to try and assassinate the arresting officer as he made his way to Kyushu. Cloistered Emperor Shirakawa later dispatched Taira Masamori to deal with the problem, and in 1107 Yoshichika was captured and beheaded. Yoshiye himself died the year before, leaving the Kawachi branch of the Seiwa Genji in the hands of his son Yoshitada. However, in 1109, Yoshitada was assassinated and the clan thrown into confusion. The court demanded justice and accused Yoshitsuna and his sons of conspiring to murder their rival. They fled the capital but were surrounded in the mountains of Omi province not far from Heian-kyo. His third son, suspected as the ringleader of the conspiracy, died in the ensuing skirmish. Two others threw themselves from cliffs, and the other three committed suicide, one allegedly committing seppuku, samurai ritual self-disembowelment. Many historians are skeptical of seppuku being used at this time, and was most likely the embellishment of later chroniclers. The unfortunate Yoshitsuna himself was banished to Sado province, a cold remote island 32 kilometers 20 miles, off the northwestern coast of Honshu. All of this intrigue left the Kawachi Minamoto in the hands of Minamoto Tameyoshi, Yoshichika's natural son, whom Yoshie had adopted as his own. While the young Tameyoshi had gotten a good start thus far, serving in the Imperial Guard and then as an investigator, with his father gone he did not have the same advantages as that of another young warrior, Taira Tadamori. Tadamori's father, Masamori, was a famous champion of the cloistered emperor, and he constantly lobbied on his son's behalf. While Tamayoshi proved his worth as a warrior in 1113 when he drove away a large mob of angry monks with only a few samurai in his retinue, he also had a reputation as a belligerent hothead. He was constantly involved in quarrels, and many kuge found him disagreeable and rude, at one point, his reputation became so bad that he was dismissed from office and did not obtain another appointment for ten years between 1136 and 1146. Meanwhile, the star of the Issei Taira continued its inexorable rise. They fought bandits, rebels, and most importantly, pirates. Other kuge were overcome with jealousy for their meteoric rise under retired Emperor Shirakawa and plotted their downfall. On four separate occasions between 1117 and 1130, men claiming to be the late Minamoto Yoshichika presented themselves in the capital as proof that Taira Masamori had not really killed the rebellious son of Yoshiye. These Anastasia-like efforts, while objectively kind of funny, did not succeed in diminishing Masamori's status, and the impostors were all discredited by Yoshichika's poor wife. The pretenders were all executed by a furious court, and the Issei Taira remained ascendant. 
Thus, the situation in 1155 was that the Issei Taira clan and its leader, Taira Kiyomori, were the primary enforcers of cloistered Emperor Gotoba, while Minamoto Tameyoshi allied with the similarly disaffected former Emperor Sutoku and Fujiwara Yorinaga. The rebellion that erupted in 1156 was not defined, however, as clan versus clan. Just as the Fujiwara clan had been divided between Yorinaga and Tadamichi, so would the members of the Kawachi Genji be divided between its two most prominent leaders. When retired Emperor Gotoba died in 1156 after a two-month battle with illness, the battle lines had already been drawn and conflict had become all but inevitable. On one side were Fujiwara's Yorinaga and Tadazane, retired Emperor Sutoku, whose child had been removed from succession, and samurai led by Minamoto Tameyoshi. On the other side were the former followers of Emperor Gotoba, sitting Emperor Go Shirakawa, Taira Kiyomori, and Minamoto Yoshitomo, the son of Tameyoshi. While it would become common in later times for samurai clans to split their support between two sides of a civil conflict to hedge their bets, this does not appear to have been one of those times. In fact, Yoshitomo not only sided with the faction of the established emperor, he straight up betrayed his father's trust in the process. In 1153, Minamoto Tameyoshi sent Yoshitomo to the Kanto to enlist the help of its samurai and offer rewards for would-be vassals, but Yoshitomo had them all swear oaths of loyalty to himself rather than his father. Yoshitomi then left his own son Yoshihira in charge of the Minamoto lands in Kanto, returned to the capital, and offered his services to the retired Emperor Gotoba, who gladly accepted this new supporter. By the time 1156 rolled around, Tameyoshi and Yoshitomo had become bitter rivals, each competing with the other as they angled for the inevitable showdown. The coming battle would not be a proxy affair in Kanto or some other remote countryside, the streets of Heian-kyo became the battleground between Yorinaga's forces and those loyal to sitting emperor Go-Shirakawa. Yorinaga's forces seized a palace ironically named Shirakawa-den and made it their base of operations. Their chances were not good. The samurai which Tameyoshi had managed to recruit were mostly from Kansai, and although Fujiwara Tadazane had managed to recruit the monks of Kofukuji, they would not arrive in time to participate. A later account claims that Tameyoshi wanted to withdraw from the capital and set up a base in Kanto, where he might be able to grow their forces and hold out for some time, but Sutoku Tenno would not have it. Minamoto Tametomo, son of Tameyoshi, suggested they launch a surprise attack against the enemy palace under the cover of night. Being that they were outnumbered and likely outclassed by their enemies, this seems like a practical strategy. Fujiwara Yorinaga rejected this plan, but I can only guess the reason. It could be that he believed more samurai would flock to their cause if they just held out, and risking what few warriors they had managed to recruit in a risky assault would sink the whole effort, but this is just my personal speculation. Whatever the case, a night attack was ruled out. The army of Go Shirakawa Tenno, meanwhile, also thought that an ambush in the dead of night would work well, and they decided to follow through with it. The ensuing battle was ferocious. Taira Kiyomori and his horsemen charged at the west gate, 
but Minamoto Tametomo, famous for his skill with bow and arrow, felled many enemy samurai along with his fellow guards and forced Kiyomori to retreat. Minamoto Yoshitomo then attempted the same maneuver with his samurai only to be likewise repulsed by his brother Tametomo and the warriors under his command. Retired Emperor Sutoku's forces mounted a brave defense of Shirakawa Den and pushed the enemy back with the strength of those who were fighting for their very lives. Sources indicate that it was Minamoto Yoshitomo who suggested setting the building on fire. Flames engulfed the gates, and the samurai who defended them were forced to retreat within. Then the main structure itself was set ablaze, and Shirakawa Den soon erupted in a great bonfire that devoured the wooden palace. The samurai who defended retired Emperor Sutoku now fled for their lives. There would be no regrouping, no heroic retaking of the capital by Daijo Tenno Sutoku and his allies. The siege of Shirakawa Den was over and the sitting emperor Goshirakawa had triumphed over those who would replace him. The entire incident would be named the Hogen Rebellion, because it had occurred during the era named Hogen. Next time, we will explore the fates of the leaders who lost this struggle, and discuss the next attempted coup, which came just three short years later. Until then, thank you for listening. If you would like access to exclusive bonus episodes, as well as ad-free versions of the regular episodes, please consider supporting this podcast at patreon.com slash ahistoryofjapan. It remains an unfortunate fact of life that money can't buy happiness. It can, however, buy you a new shirt, magnet, sticker, mug, or journal featuring exclusive designs related to this podcast. By visiting a ahistoryofjapan.threadless.com and buying some of the items featured there, you get yourself something beautiful and help support this podcast at the same time. Again, that's a ahistoryofjapan.threadless.com. Visit the store today.